verse 21. I felt the Lord speak to me a few moments ago. It says, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Somebody needs to know today, this is the way. This is the way. There might be other ways or that appear to be other ways that look like easier paths. But while the way that you're on climbs higher, oh look, here's a path that's a little wider. It's a little more well-traveled. Let's try this. Maybe this is a different leads to doubting castles and giants of despair. And you could ask the travelers who escape the clutches of places like that. The writer said as they made their way out of the dungeons of despair. They ran into the daylight. The giant of despair could not enter into the daylight. But as they ran past the gates, they saw the remains of other travelers who were not so fortunate to escape. This is the way. Walk ye in him. He makes a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. is the way there is no better life than living for God there is no better life than living for the Lord I heard one preacher say even if I end up going to hell I'm still not living a different life. It wasn't his aim. It wasn't his goal to go to hell. He said, but if heaven wasn't real, I'd still live this way. He said, because the God that I serve is so great that even if I end up in eternal peril, my life giving him glory is something that he is deserving of. Romans 12 and verses 1 and 2. 
I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'm going to preach for a few moments this morning. I may just talk, but I'll probably preach. Transformed, reformed, and conformed. Transform, reform, and conform. Let's put our Bibles down and let's go before the Lord one more time in prayer. God, we love you and we thank you for what you have done in this place today. You are so gracious. You are so faithful. There is nothing we could do to repay your faithfulness. And God, we thank you that you have made a way for us to live for you. God, we want our lives to bring glory to your name. We want our lives to bring glory to your name. And God, I pray that your word would find its mark today in my heart. God, I want my heart and my mind to be open to your word, to your will. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Why don't we give God a hand clap of praise this morning? Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. Transformed, reformed, and conformed. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 especially are very familiar to us, and we're not going to belabor the point this morning. However, we need to realize that the first 11 chapters of Romans describe the mercy of God. They describe the bountiful benefits and blessings of living for God. There are bountiful blessings to living for God. There are blessings tied to living for God. And so Paul links the mercy of God and he links the blessings of God with the practice of holiness by the word therefore. In verse 1, I beseech you therefore, or because of all of the things that I have discussed, because of all the things I have written to you in the prior section of my letter to the church at Rome, because of all of this, because of God's faithfulness, because of God's mercies, because of the blessings of God, therefore, brethren, because of all the incredible benefits in living for God, you should present your bodies as a living sacrifice. We know that. We believe that. That's why we dress differently than the world. That's why we present ourselves differently than the world. Because God has been so good. If there were no other reason but the faithfulness of God, that would be reason enough 
It's not the only reason. He said, be ye holy for I am holy. We practice holiness because it's right. We practice holiness because God is holy. But we also practice holiness because God has had mercy upon us. And it's the least that I can do. All right. It's the least that I can do to live a holy lifestyle. To partake of holy things, not unholy things. It is the least I can do to watch the words that come out of my mouth. It is the least that I can do to only put pleasant things and godly things in front of my eyes. That's why I don't have a television in my home. Because I don't want the trash of the world to pervert the holiness of God. Heard a testimony of a young man. He's, he, he's now a minister. He's now used mightily of God, or so the story goes. But he was struggling. He, he, he told uh, his pastor, he said, Pastor, he said, when I was seven years old, someone exposed me to pornography. Seven years old. Seven. 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 I believe the average age now is nine. Nine years old, parents. This young man was seven. He said, Pastor, he said, I've been addicted to pornography since. He said, and I come to the altar and I pray and I don't understand why it doesn't break. I feel like I get victory in the altar and when I go out, there's this. I just fall right into it. He said, but Pastor, the other night when you were preaching about music, he said, I've not been listening to godly music. And when I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to ungodly music, it, it elicits feelings that I do not have the authority to, I don't have the license to express those feelings. He was a young man. He wasn't married. He said, I, and, and that's no license married folks to be listening to trashy music. He said, but pastor, when I changed the music and when I stopped listening to that music, I stopped having those feelings and then the pornography broke. I'm telling you, God's mercy and God's holiness because of the mercies of God, the least I can do is live holy. I didn't even come today to preach about holiness, but we're just going to, I felt a little bump there, so we're going to address that and then we're going to move on. I should present my body as a living sacrifice. Well, that's not popular. You better bet your biscuits it's not popular. No, it's not popular. He said, therefore, be not conformed. Don't be fashioned like the world. Stop trying to fit into the mold of the world and fitting into the mold that God created for you. Listen, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. We live in a society that tells you to think for yourself and to be an individual by looking like everybody else. By being confused like everybody else. And if you can think for yourself, then you're ostracized. Be not conformed to the world. That means I don't have to buy into everything that the world says is popular. That means I don't have to subscribe to all of their 
smut. That means I don't have to just take what they tell me, hook, line, and sinker. But God gave me the word of God. God gave me his spirit living on the inside of me. God gave me a man of God. And God gave me a brain. Be not conformed to the world. Don't follow after the same pattern. But rather the individual believer is called to be transformed. Metamorpho. It means to change or transfigure. When you and I were born into the new family of God by way of water baptism, by way of the infilling of the Spirit of God, we are transformed into a new creature. That word renewing means a complete change for the better. That's why it doesn't feel right. That's why it doesn't feel the way that it used to. When I participate in the things that I used to participate in, but now they feel different. Places that I go, now it just feels different. The friends that I hang around, now it just feels different. Young person, you're going to have to come to a point in your life where it starts feeling different. say ornery is what I'm feeling today. I'm feeling a little I don't know if disturbs the right word. I had friends I walked away from. Good friends. They were like my brothers. I don't have brothers. I wanted a brother. And these two guys were as close to brothers as I could get. One of them had an apartment. That's where we hung out. Everything was fine for a while. Then an older brother came who was not living for God. He was backslid. And he brought beer. Did I drink? No, I didn't drink. But it started feeling different. It started feeling different. Woke up one morning, sleeping on the couch. There was a commotion in the bedroom. started feeling different. Was I participating, Brother Venable? No. But my silence was silent approval. You want to know what I did? I picked up the phone and I called my youth pastor. I said, hey, I need to talk to you today. Now. He said, okay. Meet me at the food court at the mall. One o'clock between your classes. Yes, sir. I sat across the table from that man. I said, David, 
doesn't feel right. Doesn't feel right. He said, no, of course it doesn't feel right because you're called. And you're living beneath your call. The other two guys, he was their youth pastor too. He said, I'll talk to them, but you've got to make a decision. Where do you want to go? What do you want to be? Is your calling enough for you to cut ties? And I went back to that apartment. I'd be gone from home for days. Another conversation for another time. Went back to that apartment. I packed my bags, packed my little backpack, grabbed my school books, and I left. And I never went back. I didn't give them a reason. I didn't need to justify myself. Well, what happens if you would see one of them now? I gave the biggest hug you can imagine. One of them was called to be a Bible study teacher, a soul winner, but it will never be realized because the calling wasn't worth conforming. Be not conformed to this world. Be ye transformed. It's got to start feeling different. And when it starts feeling different, what do I do? What do I do? When I was born of the water and when I was born of the Spirit, Jesus told Nicodemus, there you're going to be able to see the kingdom. There you're going to be able to enter into the kingdom. But that is not where it stopped. That's why we teach Bible studies. That's why we have discipleship classes. Because we don't want you coming in and just getting the Holy Ghost and just getting baptized and feeling good and feeling freedom from the sin and then falling off the wagon. Because you're going to go back out into that world and that world's going to grab you and that world's going to start trying to pound you back into the mold. But God said, no, I broke the mold. And there are things I've known about you since before you were born. He said, this is the way. Walk ye in it. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The behavior changes. I'm new. The initial salvific experience is not the end. It's just the beginning. 
in his classic allegorical tale. John Bunyan describes a man by the name of Christian. Christian is found in a field. He's got a book in his hands. The man who finds him finds him weeping. Christian is hunched over. And he's looking at the book. And he's weeping. He said, Sir, what's your name? My name's Christian. Christian, why are you weeping? Because I read in the book. I've got sin. Read in the book that my actions are displeasing to the king of the celestial city. And I don't know how to get rid of my sin. There's no way that I can get rid of my sin. There's nothing that I can do. And I've been wandering through life with the burden of sin on my back and it's disjointed my backbone and it's deformed my body and I can't lift my head and I can't look up and I cannot enjoy life because of everything that is weighing me down and the man looks at him and says sir I believe I know the answer for your dilemma oh who was he talking to he said sir stranger I'm sorry I didn't catch your name and he said my name is evangelist And he said, Christian, if you want delivered from the burden that's been weighing you down, there's one gate that you can walk through. Did you see that gate over there? And Christian lifts his head. And he said, I think I can see it over there. He said, that's the wicked gate. If you'll walk through that gate, he said, that's the way to the celestial city. And if you're willing to walk through the gate, he said, you'll find deliverance. Sir, are, pray tell, are you telling me the truth? Yes, sir, I am. The evangelist was not trying to mislead him. The evangelist was pointing the way. The preacher was pointing the way, but it was up to the man to get his burden and to take everything with him. And Christian goes home and he gathers some belongings and he looks at his lovely wife, Christiana, and he looks at his children and he says, honey, would you please go with me? And she said, I'm not leaving my my place of safety. I'm not leaving this city. You're crazy, man. Look at yourself. You're disfigured. you, you, You have no quality of life. Why would I follow you anywhere? What about the children? Can I take the children? No, you can't take the children. So Christian walks out the door alone. Makes his way to the wicked gate. To the bog of despondency. And he finds his way to the cross of Calvary. And there as he kneels before the cross of Calvary, his burden is cut loose from his back. He begins to feel his back. For the first time, he can stand. For the first time in his entire life. But his family didn't want to go. Okay, but Christian decided he wanted to go even if his family doesn't. Even if nobody else wants to go. Even if my friends don't want to go. 
he had traveling companions come up to him. And there was one that ended the journey with him whose name was Ignorance. Well, Ignorance, how did you come? Well, I came up this other way. Ignorance, you got to go all the way back and you got to come up the path. But Christian's journey did not end at the cross of Calvary. At the cross of Calvary, he found the power to relieve the burden of sin. And at the cross of Calvary, he found himself on the way better equipped to deal with what he would deal with. And on the way, he fought giants. It was Christian and his traveling compartment, uh, uh, his his traveling companion, hopeful that I mentioned during worship service, that had, had been on the way, and they found another little path, and this path was a little bit wider. But evangelist had told them, he said, "No, sir." He said, "You stay on the path that is straight. You stay on the path. It's more narrow than the other paths that you'll see. But I promise you, if you'll get, the, if you'll stay on the path." An evangelist was conducting them along the way. you got to have a preacher to conduct you along the way. There's a preacher to remind you. An evangelist is there in their times of, of distress. But Christian and hopeful saw this other way. And they, they began to go down the way. And they ended up seeing this large castle. And all of a sudden they see this giant coming out. Massive. Smells bad. Throws them in his dungeon in Doubting Castle. Giant's name was Despair. So Calvary was not his final destination, but it equipped him to maintain. Baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, is not our final destination, folks. But it equips us to continue. It equips us to continue. And at the end of his journey, Christian walks up to a river. A river called Death. And on the other side, he can see the celestial city. And it's then that he understands that everything I have been through has led me to this point. And there he hears the words of the evangelist as the preacher conducts him across the river of Death. And for Christian, it's not a pleasant experience. For Christian, it's dark. And the water is moving rapidly. For ignorance, the water was shallow. For ignorance, there was no trouble crossing over. There was no worry. But when Christian emerged out of the river on the other side, he hears the voice of the king of the celestial city as the guardians at the gate had asked, the, uh, had asked ignorance for his papers. Will you please show? us your invitation to the celestial city and they pick him up and they carry him and they throw him off the side of the mountain into an opening in the side of the mountain that would lead to the city of destruction what happens on his journey all of his escapades is fighting with dragons named Polyon fighting of giants one of his traveling companions giving his life in the journey as they tried to gather more to join their excursion finally he reaches back to his home where his wife Christiana 
begins to feel things differently. Your walk with God. Whether you see it in this life or not. Has the ability. To inspire others. To refuse to be conformed to the world. John 1.12 But as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God even to them that believe on His name. He said, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Webster defines the word transformed as to change in composition or structure, to change the outward form or appearance of, to change in character or condition, to convert. The Greek word metamorpho means to change or transfigure. Do not be conformed to this world, but be changed by the renewing of your mind. Well, I felt a little bit of change. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 14 and 15. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed. That's the same word into an angel of light. Therefore is no great thing if his ministers be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. That's why you can't believe everything you read on the internet. That's why you can't believe every televangelist or every live stream. Because they just might be ministers of Satan that have been transformed into angels of light to mislead down other pathways. Let me preach to you this morning. It's not enough for you to experience one moment of transformation. It's not enough for you to just come and get spiritual highs. But you got to take it home with you on Monday. You got to be transformed. On Tuesday, you got to be transformed. On Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you got to be transformed. It's a continual process. Reformed. Leviticus 26, 21, if you walk contrary unto me, will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. This is the way, walk ye in it. I will also send wild beasts among you which shall rob you, your children, destroy your cattle, make you few in number. Your highways shall be desolate. And if you will not be reformed by me, by these things, but will walk contrary to me. That word reformed. God is saying, if you will not allow these situations to discipline you, to chasten and admonish you. He said, I'm trying to correct the course. I'm trying to make you that's why the Apostle Paul said, I've found in whatsoever state I am, therein to be content. Because this just might be God trying to reform. God's allowing it. I don't understand why God would allow this. I don't understand why God would allow that. Maybe God is trying to get your attention. 
Maybe God is trying to get the attention of those who are involved in the storm. Maybe God is trying to get the attention. And there's, there's power when we submit to the tension. There's power when we submit to the storm. We allow it to make us. Sometimes submitting to the storm means standing on the bow of the ship and rebuking the wind. Being reformed and hurrying. The word that is used in Leviticus 26 is used 43 times, nine of which are in the book of Psalms. They have to deal with God chastening or instructing the psalmist. Psalm 118 and verse 18. Listen to this. He said, The Lord hath chastened me sore, but I haven't died. But did you die? No, it was uncomfortable, but I didn't die. Hebrews 9 and verse 10, which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of, of goats and calves, but of his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption unto us. That word reformation in verse 10 means improvement. It means reforming. It means an amendment. It means a correction. He stepped in and corrected what no one else could correct. Webster defines the word reformed as changed for the better. The world is trying to get you to change for the worse in a way that leads to eternal destruction. But I came to encourage somebody today, don't stop moving. Do not stop growing. You've not come to a place in your walk with God where you just got it all figured out and you don't need the body and you don't need the word and you don't need the pastor and you don't need the church and you don't need to hear preaching. No, you've taken a wrong direction. And I came today to course correct. This is the way. Walk ye in it. One of the most dangerous times of your life is when you get comfortable and when things just start going good and you feel like you can take your foot off the gas because life's better than it's ever been. But honey, that's the most dangerous place. Sir, that's the most dangerous place that you can be. Transform, reform, conform. Don't fight against God. Ask Saul of Tarsus. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Why are you kicking against pricks? Why are you fighting against me, Saul? This is the way. Walking in it. And he did. Conformed. Be not conformed. We've talked about it. But it means having outward shape. 
But there's also a pattern that is being followed. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I've really preached everything that I have preached today to help us understand Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son. We already read in the book of Acts, to, the, to those who received him, to them gave he power to become. He said, be not conformed to this world. But there is an image that we should be conformed to. It is not the image of Hollywood. It is not the image of Washington. It is not the image of the red, the white, or even the blue. It is not the image of the union. It is not the image of the Republican or the Democratic Party. But it is the image. It's not even the image of the Libertarians. It's not the image of Antifa. It is the image of the Almighty God. First Peter 1, wherefore gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. You did some things before you got in church just because you were ignorant. That's kind of degrading. You didn't know any better. That's what ignorant means. You just didn't know. There were things that we did before we came to God because we just didn't know any better. But now we know better. He said, I've called you. Let's stand. I have called you to be transformed you were conformed to the image that the world said you had to have. The image that the world said you had to be. That was what you were conformed to. But now you've been transformed. Or you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And now we have the ability to be conformed not to the world, but made into the very image of God. Because you and I were made in His image, made in His likeness. But sin had separated and sin had destroyed. But what sin had separated us from, what God had not been able to reconcile before He came in flesh, before He bled and died for us, the communion that was lost has now been restored. And now we have the ability to say, I'm not stopping here. I've not come this far to quit. I'm going all the way to the end 
one definition of the word conformed is to give the same shape the same outline or contour to to bring into harmony or accord he said the idea the goal of transformation the goal of reformation is to be conformed and to bring into harmony what sin had separated. I don't know about you this morning. I want to look like Him. I want to think like Him. I want to live like he would live. I want to reach like he reached. I want to preach like he preached. I want to reconcile like he reconciled. Because now he's given to you and I the ministry of reconciliation. What does that mean? That means that we have the ability to bring people to him. But it's never going to happen if I fight the transformation. It's never going to happen if I fight the reforming. I don't want to get rid of that. Like that. I do that when I'm Stressed. I need that for comfort. I don't want you to take that. I want to hold on to this. I want to hold on to that. I don't want to fight the reforming. I don't want to fight the potter. And as that clay is on the wheel, when the imperfections arise, he's got to pluck it out or she has to pluck it out. They've got to get rid of the stones because that doesn't belong there. Somebody's going to get hurt. the old story is there was a vessel on the top shelf in the potter's shop that was more beautiful than the rest and the client walked in and he said sir I want that one I'm sorry that one's not for sale sir you don't understand I've got to have that one I'll pay the price no it's not it's not for sale. You can pick any other vessel on the shelf and I'll sell it to you, but that one is not for sale. The client said, I don't understand. I, I, why won't you sell it? He said, that one's got a story. He said, okay, well tell me the story. Maybe I can understand. He said, that that clay was the hardest clay I had ever worked with. And I'd get it to a point where I thought things were going to be okay and then it would just collapse. And I'd mash it down and I'd get it soft. I'd add more water. I'd do this. I'd go through my routine. He said, nothing was working. Finally, he said, I opened the windows. 
There's the potter's field out there. That's where all the broken pottery lies. It's the graveyard broken pot. And I picked up this lump of clay And just as I was getting ready to throw it out the window in my anger I heard a voice say, try it one more time So frustrated I took that clay And I slammed it onto my potter's Washed my hands Gathered my supplies And I sat back down the wheel to work the clay one last time things were going well but I could see that the top was getting ready it was getting ready to cave in on itself again and in my frustration I pumped the wheel and all of a sudden there was something that hit my finger he said and I looked down and there was blood streaming out of my hand put my hand on the on the clay and I felt the rock and I pulled the rock out but then I realized that my blood was going in and mixing with the clay and as the blood from my hand as the potter began to flow into that clay the clay began to be strengthened and the clay began to take shape and the color that you see in that clay pot is my blood that's inside that and without the blood of the potter it was worthless without the blood of the potter it was shapeless without the blood of the potter being mingled in it would have been nothing it would have been thrown out he said so sir can you see now my blood has been applied to that clay pot it is not for sale I have already paid the price His blood has already been applied to your life. Would you determine in your mind today? Would you determine in your spirit today? I will not fight the process. I will give in to the process. God, whatever it is, whatever you want, wherever you're taking me, wherever you're leading me, I want you to take me there. I want you to do it, God. And you turn it for good. You turn it for good. I want to be transformed. I want to be reformed. I want to be conformed. This you is the way. What the enemy Walk ye in it. You turn it for good. You turn it for good.